Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Like Jesus, and he's going to try to do everything he possibly can to prevent that. And we gave you five things that are stratagems of the enemy. We gave you that last week. One was he wants to uh, make you think that you don't, you don't need to change. We said that he wants to uh, really get you focused on other people. Other people's mistakes, other people's faults, other people are minded rather than uh, God-minded and, and really what God wants to do in your life. He wants to do that. Also, he wants to get us disinterested and just ho-hum, just apathetic about the things of God. He wants to also uh, get us into bad habits. And those habits, he wants us to uh, try to develop habits that that not bad habits, but just any kind of habits that's going to prevent us from growing and being more like him. And the last thing we talked about here, try to get you to try to change and thinking you're changing environments uh, is going to help you be more enthusiastic about him. Uh, and so we talked about those things. Now, he has many more, many more stratagems, but we just talked about five. I wanted to go to this week, really, what are things that, will help us to change. It's one thing to know that we need to change. There's another thing entirely, how do you change? I believe that many people desire to change, but when all is said and done, they really don't change. They set goals for 2000, and, uh, they set goals for 2012, 13, 14, or whatever, and this is a new year they set their setting goes for 2015. But many people, many people, probably would say most people, really don't accomplish those goals they set. Why is it? What does God know that we don't know that can help us to achieve our goals? Who wants to keep setting goals and keep missing them? Who wants to tell people? Sometimes we don't even want to tell people about our goals because uh if we don't achieve them, then they look at us like we are failures. So God doesn't want us to fail. He wants us to succeed. He really does. So how can we make sure we succeed uh, in the things of 2015, which is being more like Jesus, or whatever you set? You might set a goal that you want to cut the grass. Uh, you want to rake leaves more this year than last year. You might want to do anything. I don't know what you want to do. Uh, but regardless of what it is, if it's significant enough, the enemy is going to come against us, especially if it's spiritual. Now, let's go to the first thing. <clears throat> I did it in steps, but it doesn't have to be steps. It's numbers, steps. It doesn't matter. what it is. Principles, it doesn't matter. The first thing is that we need to make sure that we want to change. We believe that we need to change. We believe that we should change. We need to do that. Because the enemy is trying to get us to think that we don't need to change. We need to make sure that we believe that we need to change. We need to grow. We have to go a little bit further. We have to make sure that we not only need to grow, but we want to grow. And we're willing to pay the price necessary to sacrifice in order to bring those changes about. Whenever there is something significant and you want to change for Jesus Christ, 
I'm going to tell you that it's going it's going it's going to be hard to do. Very 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 hard to do. But I guarantee you if you're willing to pay the price, the sacrifice that's necessary to change, you have a better chance of changing. The second thing is that we need to elevate elevate Whatever goal you set, elevate it to the highest level that you can elevate it. If it's that important, it needs to be, it needs to be tops. And if it's tops, then you have a, a better chance of changing. Matter of fact, like Jesus said, he set his face like flint. We have to, like, like a rock, we have to set our mind, our God has given us a, a he's given us a wheel, hasn't he? And, and that's, it's a powerful tool. He, he wants us to use the will along with the other things he's given us. But we have to set that will. Set your mind that I am going to change. Comes flames or high water, I'm going to change. I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow. Most people fall short in those two steps. Most people. Because it's not high enough, of a, they haven't elevated high enough to a priority. They, they, they really want to change. They will want to achieve this goal, but it's not high enough in their priority list to make the necessary sacrifices. When you want to change bad enough to make that sacrifice, it's going to take humility. It's going to take humility. And, and you say, well, what you mean, humility? Why was it going to take humility? Why did I need to humble myself to set a goal that I might want to drink more water this year? Whatever the situation may be, whatever I need to do, why do I need to be in humility to do that? Well, why, why am I not drinking enough water anyway? Well, usually it's because I don't like water or, or I don't want to drink it enough. You know, I, want, I want to drink sodas. I want to drink tea. I want to drink whatever. Well, see... The thing is that I've already developed habits, I've already developed tastes, I've already developed what I want to do, and don't you know this flesh doesn't want to change? And so God may want me to change, but the flesh doesn't want me to change. I have to humble myself under the mighty hand of God if God wants me to change in order to bring about this, this change. So it takes humility. Didn't, didn't the apostle Paul, wasn't he humble? You know, you can, you, you can look in, in the scripture and watch his progress of humility. You can watch his progress of humility. Let's say we start in, in, in let's say, 1 Corinthians. In, in 1 Corinthians, which was written approximately 55, uh, AD 55, he says that I am the least of the apostles. Matter of fact, he said, I'm not fit to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church. That's what he said. This is the Apostle Paul now. wrote most of the New Testament. And you think about it. Now, uh, uh, years later, about A.D. 60, 61, depending on your um, study age, he penned a letter to, epistle to the church at Ephesus. And, and, and he said there, that he's the least, the very least of the saints. 
Apostle Paul. The very least of the saints. A couple years later, anywhere from AD 63 to AD 66, somewhere it was written like that in the epistle to 1 Timothy. He said that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners. He says, of which I'm the chief. Foremost, New American Standard would say. Do you see his progress of humility? And I know the Apostle Paul changed. Do we want to change bad enough? Are we willing to pay the price bad enough to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time? That's what Peter 5, 6. That's what, that's what, that's what we have to do. Because that's the, that is a, a key to success in reaching goals. Goals that you know that God wants you to, you, you to set. I know we don't want to have goals anyway that God's not in. There's not, God doesn't have anything to do with it. I don't care if, if, if like I said, like drinking water. You know that we need to drink water. We, we, you know, if you don't drink water, you know, you're gonna, you, you, your system's not going to be that good you know, as, as time goes on. They, they tell you how many glasses of water you need to drink a day. I'm trying to increase my drinking of water, but that's not one of my goals. I, I set some spiritual goals, but uh, natural goals are good too because they're still of God. Still of God. I want to succeed in my goals. I need to humble myself under the mighty hand of God because I know my, God, my, my goals, I know God is in. I know they are. I know he's in those goals. So I need to humble myself and say, God, help me, like I said last week. I'm going to humble myself under your mighty hand that you may exalt me in due time. So I'm going to keep this goal. I'm going I'm to be at it. I'm willing to pay the price and make the sacrifices necessary to achieve them. Are you? Because that's what it's going to take to reach your goal. Many people have goals that they're going to exercise more this year than last year. One of my daughters, Brandy, she has a goal for me to exercise more. <laughs> I didn't set a goal to exercise more. But, but is that a good thing? Absolutely. Is, can God be in, in, in exercising? Absolutely. Absolutely. When you can't touch your toes, maybe we need to learn to stretch a little bit, right? Right. I'm not going to demonstrate. <laughs> Tried this morning, I couldn't touch my toes. I used to be able to do it. But if you don't, if you don't stretch, you're not, you're not going to do it if you don't. It, it, goals, I don't care about if they're so-called just natural goals. They're not spiritual. God is in your health. He's in He's in your look. He's in everything. He's in everything. Give it to him. Give it to him.
That's what he wants you to do. That's two. Number three is, now, let's go back on one, two, if you're taking notes. One was that you need to make sure that you believe that you need to change, that you want to change bad enough to make the necessary sacrifices. It's going to take humility. All that's number one. All that's number one. It's going to take humility. Number two was that you need to elevate it to the point where it's such a high priority, it's tops, 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 tops priority. Set your face like flint, like Jesus said in, in uh, one of the scriptures, Isaiah 50, he said that. Set your face like flint. Set your mind. You're going to do this thing. That's two. Number three is that regardless of what you want God to do for you, through you, Ask him to draw you closer to him in 2015. Draw you closer to him in 2015. So that you can develop a more, of a more of a personal, intimate, and transparent relationship with him. What parent doesn't want their child to be to have an intimate, personal, transparent relationship with them. Most parents want their children to do that so they, you know, the children can talk to you about anything. You know, you, 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 they, they want to talk to you. They don't want to be up in their room, close the door, and it's all flimmers to the parents. You know, they want to, you know, don't you want an intimate relationship with your children? Absolutely. Absolutely. The father wants an intimate relationship with us. He wants a transparent relationship with us. He knows everything anyway, but he wants you to talk to him about those things that he already knows that no one else knows, and you don't want him to know even though he knows. Talk to him about it. Talk to him about it. That's what he wants. We don't have to go, uh, we're not into that uh, back where we, Go and have to confess to a priest or something. We we confess to our Lord Jesus Christ. We talk to Him about it. And of course, the Scripture says, "Confess your faults to one another that you may be healed." So we know what the Word says. So we're gonna do the Word. But talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus in your prayer closet. Tell Him how you feel. Even if you're upset with somebody, even if you're upset with Him, tell Him, God. I can't believe you let this happen. I can't believe you did this. What is going on? Talk to him. He knows you feel that way anyway. Does he? He knows all. He knows every thought you have before you even have it. He wants that intimate personal relationship with you. He does. Now, let's dwell on the fourth one. This is the last one for today. It's the fourth one. The fourth one is not really a goal that you set. It's not a goal that you set, but it's a goal that you need. Okay? I want you, everybody, in hearing the hearing of my, my voice, I want you to have this goal is that you want to 
this is what you want to do. You want to dwell in the presence of God more in 2015. You want to dwell in the presence of God more in 2015. And you say, well, I thought you were giving ways to achieve your goals that we'll have success in 2015. Without this as a goal, we're all subject to fall short again. See, in his presence is fullness of joy. In his right hand are pleasures forever. King James, forevermore. We think things on the earth can be, you know, pleasurable, and, and they are. You know, eating ice cream. Yeah, a lot of pleasurable things. But in his right hand are pleasures forever. Forever. Ice cream not going to last forever. Guarantee it. <laughs> Guarantee it. His pleasures are forever. Forever. We're talking about Psalm 16. Forever. And we're going to dwell there. Let's go to Psalm 140. In Psalm 140, verse 13, let's go there. He says, this is what the psalmist says, Surely the righteous will give thanks to your name. Surely. Now, if you read Psalm 140, you, you understand because he's asking the Lord to rescue him. And in verse 12, he's saying he knows that the Lord is going to maintain the cause of the afflicted and uh, to give justice to the poor. But he says in verse 13, Surely the righteous will give thanks to your name. The upright will dwell in your, what's that word? Presence. In your presence. The upright will dwell in your presence. That's not a coming in the door, coming in the house, saying hello, and go to our room, close the door. This is a being in the presence of the one you're seeking. That's what this is. When you're in the presence of the King of Kings, when you're in the presence of the Lord of Lords, when you're in the presence of the great I Am, when you're in the presence of the one who created all things, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the scripture says, what 
could you not receive from him for 2015? If he is in whatever you set as a goal. Because hopefully you prayed and asked him, God, what do you want me to work on in 2015? What do I need to do in 2015? God, what are you placing your hands on in 2015? That's how we set goals. We don't set goals that I think I'll do this this year. I think I will. I think I know what I'll do. I'll get the, I'll get the, um, the lawn doctor to come and, 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 and spray my yard some more this year. I have three installments. I'm going to get four this year. Who cares? Really? The angels in heaven are not rejoicing because you got another round of fertilizer. Really. But if you ask God and God tells you that he wants you to do something, then you know being in his presence, you will gain that. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Now, you know, I'm not putting aside that you need your yard, you know, your yard need to be uh, presentable. I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, hey, the pastor said, you know, you don't need to worry about your yard. You let weeds grow up. You need to, you know, no, we need to be able to glorify him and no need to witness to a neighbor telling about how good God is and all this. And, and your yard looks terrible and is bringing down their yards. You know, you don't want that either. Okay, so I'm not saying that. Whatever God put his hands on, that's what you do. That's what you do. What is God putting his hand on in your life? What is he putting his hand on? Have you asked him, God, what do you want me to do in 2015? Where do you want me to grow in you? What do you want me to accomplish in 2015 that I didn't in 2014? That, when you get in his presence, that will bring a lot of things that you never had before. I don't think we get in the presence of the Lord much as we should. I don't think we get in the presence of the Lord as much as you want to get in the presence of the Lord. Because I believe you want to get in the presence of the Lord. I believe you do. Let's talk about a way that we can get in the presence of the Lord. We know we can get in the presence of the Lord through you're in the presence of the Lord now. You're in the presence of the Lord. Uh, because scripture says that if two of you, two or three of you gather together my name, there he is in the what? In the midst. So we'll gather here in his name. We'll not, not gather here in your name. She'll not gather together in my name. So whose name we gather together in? So therefore, he's in the what? He's in the midst. Also, we can we can um, we know that the Holy Spirit is in you. God is in you. He's in you. You're in the presence of holiness because the Holy Spirit is in you, isn't it? You're in the presence of holiness. When you praise the Lord, he said he inhabits the praise of his people. When you pray, hopefully we are praying to 
Father in the name of Jesus, and therefore we're in his presence, aren't we? We just need to praise more, pray more, gather together more. Let's keep going a little bit. Let's go to another scripture that's really interesting because when you get in the presence of God, things happen. Things happen. In Exodus, do you remember in Exodus? Let's turn to Exodus chapter 33, verse 8. Uh, let's start in 15. Let's start there. Now let's start in 18. 18. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. That's what he said. You remember last week we talked about glory? This is what Moses said. I pray you, show me your glory. So he, he's, he's in the presence of God. The Father, he asked him to show him his glory. That's not a, a bad thing to ask for us to ask, is it? And he said, this is speaking of the Father, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim my name, the name of the Lord before you. Moses didn't ask him that, did he? Or did he? Moses really didn't ask him that. Moses asked him to show him his glory. Do you think the Father didn't hear him? Or do you think the Father knows something that Moses didn't know? So he says here, I'll show you my goodness. That goodness is the fullness of grace and, 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 and beauty and all those things. He said, and, and I'm going to pr- proclaim my name before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. And that, that compassion is mercy. So he's talking about, here, here's the father talking about grace. He's talking about beauty. He's talking about compassion. He, he's talking about here uh, graciousness. Then he says, I cannot, you cannot see my face. Moses didn't ask to see his face, did he? Or did he? He said he wanted to see his glory. God said, I'm going to show you these things right here, but my face, you can't see me. So obviously, glory is in the face of the Lord too. Oh my goodness, glory is there. For no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there is a place in me, by me, and, and, and you stand there on a rock, and it will come about while my glory is passing by. Oh, while my glory is passing by. So it must be in the front side, right? Because he says that I will put my, I'll put you in the cliff of a rock, and I'll cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will take my hand away from you. And you can see my back, but my face shall not be seen. 
I believe he's going to answer Moses, don't you? He's going to answer Moses. But he's not going to show him all that Moses wants to see. Because Moses wants to see his glory. He wants to see, he, he wants to see everything the Lord has. But he's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. You'll be like a mushroom in a fire that's held too long. You know? What happened to a mushroom? What's that thing called? Marshmallow. <laughs> marshmallow. You know, you put them on a, on a stick and you put them in the fire. What happened to that little white thing? If it held too long. A crisp critter, right? You can't see my face here. You can't see my face on the backside. Now, now listen to what he says here in, in, in chapter 34, verse 6. Let's, let's go there. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed. So now Moses is looking at his backside. And the Lord is proclaiming. So he said... He said, I'm, I'm going I'm to show you my goodness, and then I'm going to proclaim my name. Here's the Lord proclaiming his name. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious. Here he's talking about these, these, these things again, this character thing. Shh, shh, <laughs> Slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means does he leave the guilty unpunished, so he's a God of justice, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So God is proclaiming this before Moses as he's walking past Moses. I believe that God showed Moses all he needed to see to have glory. And I believe that when we are in the presence of God, let's turn to Second Second Corinthians three eighteen. You remember we were there last last week. In, in, in that chapter, you remember we said that let's look at verse eighteen. He says that but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So as we're, as we're beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, and he's already explained to him, to Moses now, uh, my glory, you can't see, you know, you can't see my face, but I'm going to show you my backside, I'm going to show you my graciousness, I'm going to show you my mercy, I'm going to show you my compassion, I'm going to proclaim my name before you, these are my names, these are, this is who I am. I want you to know me personally. I want you to know me intimately. This is how I am, Moses. I'm a God of compassion. I'm a God who, who uh, forgives transgression and iniquity. I'm a God who is just. I'm a God who is gracious. That's what he's proclaiming. As we're looking in the, in, in the mirror here, we're supposed to, as in a mirror, we're supposed to see these things with unveiled faces. We're supposed to see it and go from glory to glory. Let's look in, in, in James chapter 1. Uh, let's uh, look in oh, probably. Let's start. Let's see where we want to start. Verse 22. Let's start there. 
James 1, 22. But prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. He's looking at a natural face. For once he has looked at himself and, and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. So he was. But, and listen to this now, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. How do I make sure that I am going to be blessed in the goals that I have set for 2015? I want to be in the presence of God. I want to behold in his presence, as in a mirror, the perfect law of liberty. I want to see his glory. See him from the backside. I want, I, I want him to proclaim his name. I want to see his compassion, his mercy. I want to see his graciousness. I want to see his forgiveness. I want to see all these things. As I behold in this word, that's what's happening to me because I'm being changed. I'm being changed. As I get in the presence of the Lord worshiping, I'm being changed. Really? As I get in my prayer closet and I'm praying to the Lord, I'm crying out to Him. We are tra- transparency, intimacy. I'm being changed. I believe that the enemy wants to keep us from beholding the glory of the Lord in the face of the Law of liberty. Try it. You've already tried it. Just look back on, on your, you know, just look back and say, how many times have you said it? Said it go, I need to, in the Bible more, I think I'll read through the Bible. I think I'll do that. Don't you know the enemy is going to come against you? It is so many Christians all over the world that I don't care what language they have it in, don't read it. Don't behold the glory of the Lord because the enemy prevents them because of the things I talked about last week. It can be habits. It can be good habits. It can be whatever it is. You don't need it. You don't read it one time. Whatever it is, you, you, you know, you, you go to bed late, you get up early, you know, you got too much thing to do, or you get up, go to bed late, you get up late. You know, whatever it is, you, but you don't get into it. Come on. He doesn't want you to go from glory to glory. He doesn't want you to change. Go with me back one one, one book here to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Let's go there. He doesn't want you to change. Guarantee you he doesn't want you to change. He wants you to, you know, um, do anything, anything except read the word of God. 
Anything. Wash dishes. Anything. And it tells us that if we behold this right here, and we see the glory of God because we are learning about God's grace. We are learning about God's mercy. Don't you know that Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he met Jesus, because he, he had an experience with Jesus, he, when he met him, don't you know that his life changed because, my goodness gracious, he met the King of glory. And it says here in verse 12, for the word of God, it's living. It's living. It's not something dead. You can read a novel and it's dead. The words of dead, it will not change you for the better. It can change you for the worse, but it won't change you for the better. This will change you for the better. Because it's living. It's living. It's like the words of dancing around, you know. You know, it's like they, they are having, you've seen some of the cartoons sometimes, you know, like they, they were, um, they, they, they have these cartoons on, on, uh, on TV, when I say cartoons in, in the commercials, they'll tell you about your immune system, and they're saying, you know, you need to take this right here because it has things that's going to uh, fight for you, and they have a little bit of cartoon characters, they're doing exercise, you know, they're doing sit-ups and push-ups and everything, they're getting themselves right so they can fight off disease for you, you know. Well, suppose you could see, and these words are moving around. They're, they're, just, they're just so powerful. they got swords, and they're, they're just practicing their, their, their swordsmanship. You know, they are ready to go to act, act for you. Suppose you could see it. But, see, we see everything. We see this is black and white. Sometimes we see red. You know, but it's just, just there. It's just there. But here he says it's, it's alive. Then he also said, it's powerful. That's what he said. He says, the word of God is alive and powerful or active. That's what it means. It's powerful. It's effective. What is it effective of doing? Changing us. That's what it's doing. It's effective to change us. That's why, that's why Satan doesn't want you in it. I guarantee he doesn't want you in it because he knows that if you get into this, it's going to be effectual. It's so powerful. And it says right here, and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. You can't separate that. You don't want no sword. And of both joints and marrow. Come on, marrow, marrow's in the bone. Come on, yeah, how are you going to do that? How are you going to separate it? The word of God can do it. And it says that, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Woo! Just, I mean, just this, these are words. These words. And I don't care if you don't, you, don't, you don't have a hard copy, you don't like the hard copy. I don't care if you do it electronically. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive when you put it on the screen. That's why we put it on the screen. It's alive. Read it. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It would change you. That's why the enemy, come on, he doesn't want you in it. He doesn't want you in it. Talk to, talk to Christians and ask them sometimes, how, how much do you read the Bible? 
you'll be surprised. Surprised. I'm not surprised because I know how the enemy is. But since I want to change, and since God said, okay, 2015, okay, this is what I want. I want them to be more like me. I want them to draw nearer to me. I want them to get in my presence. Get in my presence. And behold my glory. My glory. And then go from glory to glory. Face to face. It'll be amazing. It'll be amazing what changes we make. I mean, I don't care if, it's, if, if my goal is, to, like I said, to drink more water. I guarantee you if I get in the presence of God and I behold the glory, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will help me to drink more water if he, if he gave me that goal. Do you think he won't help me if he gave me the goal? Absolutely he's going to help me. I have to do something. I have to put it in the glass, put it on my lips, Right? <laughs> That's what I got to do. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.